Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. There just are those times where circumstances and situations get you to a place where you have to evaluate your life. Where you look at your life and go, yeah, I've been through this and I've been through this and I've been through this. And you have to weigh and consider and go, you know, there's even times where you go, I don't even think it's worth it. And yet the Holy Spirit says, no, it is worth it. It doesn't even compare. What you're going through right now doesn't even compare to what's up ahead. It doesn't even compare to the weight of the glory of being in the presence of God. Every tear wiped away, every pain removed. New bodies, new lives, and eternity with Jesus Christ who lived for us and died for us. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. We may wonder when we suffer, will this ever end? Maybe that thought has crossed your mind during this global crisis. Well, today on Abounding Grace, we want to emphasize this truth. Trials are temporary, or as Peter puts it, they're here for a little while. That's a needed perspective for days like these. So let's join Pastor Ed Taylor in 1 Peter chapter 1 for part one of his message, Temporary Trials. Would you take your Bibles and open them to 1 Peter chapter 1? and Romans chapter 8, verse 18. First Peter chapter 1, we'll pick up in verse 3 in Romans chapter 8 in a Bible study that I've entitled Temporary Trials. That has been the topic of our time in First Peter so far. We'll pick up in verse 3 for, by way of review. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, if for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found a praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The topic of Peter's letter as he writes pastorally is to a group of hurting people undergoing some of the worst persecution, if not the worst persecution, trials and tribulations, distresses, difficulties that they've ever experienced in their life. And I'm certain in some cases, those listening to me right now, you're experiencing the worst trials and tribulations and difficulties you've ever experienced in the totality of your life. And because it hurts so much, and it's so tough and so difficult, layer upon layer, difficulty upon difficulty, there is that thought that as Christians, we shouldn't have to suffer that much. That somehow, because of our relationship with Jesus, that we shouldn't have to suffer. We're Christians. We live in the United States of America. We should be immune to suffering. We're a blessed people, born into a blessed nation. 
And it is true we're living in an incredible time in history. And it is true that we've been given the opportunity to live in a tremendous country with incredible freedoms and prosperity like no other. We get to see the gospel go forth with power and effectiveness. But understand, everyone, everywhere, if you're taking notes, remember this, everyone, everywhere suffers. In every culture, those that believe in God, those that don't believe in God, those that are strong in faith, those are weak in faith, everyone, everywhere suffers, especially the believer. Not a pass to the follower of Christ, but especially the Bible teaches us in this theology of suffering that the believer especially suffers. There is a uniqueness of suffering that comes only and is experienced only by the believer. As we'll learn later in Peter, don't think it strange considering the fiery trial. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Jesus himself teaches us in this world, these things I've spoken to you, because in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. You and I are going to suffer in this world. Sometimes it will be because of our own faults and failures, our own sinful decisions. Sometimes it will be because of the sins and failures of others that are close to us or the effects of life and the effects of other sinful behavior. And the root of all suffering is sin and the effects of sin in the world. Come with me now to Romans chapter 8. We covered the genuineness of our faith last time, but I want to emphasize for us tonight that our trials are temporary. If for a little while, Peter, Peter says, it's a little while. We'll understand the perspective now as the Holy Spirit writes to the church in Rome. And in Romans chapter 8, notice with me in verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we, what does your Bible say? Say it out loud suffer if we suffer with him. It's part of our inheritance. You were born again into a life of suffering. Now, of course, you may have been born again out of a life of suffering into a new life of suffering, but it's different now. Because for the believer, there is purpose in the pain. There is purpose in what you're experiencing. There's an end to it, not only timely, not only is there a timely, you could say there's an end to it because our sufferings are temporary, but also there's an end to it because God is arranging and rearranging things for his purposes. But if we suffer with him, that we might also be glorified with him. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We're reminded that our sufferings are only temporary. A little while. Our sufferings of this present time. Suffering doesn't follow us into eternity. Paul says, I consider. Mark that word consider in verse 18. I considered it. It literally means to calculate. Or to reason. Or to account. Up to this point in Romans 8, Paul's used this word 15 times. And he's used it because Christianity is a thinking man, a thinking woman's religion. 
It's not an emptiness of our minds and we don't stop thinking. No, rather we now begin to consider things in light of eternity. We have a new definition of things. Paul is saying, I understand the value of sufferings right now. Don't compare to what's up, up ahead. That any suffering for the name of Jesus Christ is a small price to pay for the gracious benefits received because of that suffering. We've spent all this time as a church family studying through the book of Hebrews. And the essence of the book of Hebrews is, look, hey, we're going through it. We're going through it. I don't think it's worth it to go through it was on the mind of the Hebrew believers. I don't like what I'm going through right now. I don't like the pain. I don't like losing my reputation, losing money. I don't like losing my job. I don't like all this loss. I'm tired of the loss. And when you get tired of the loss and tired of paying the price and tired of the suffering, you even get to this place where you begin to think, is it only me? Is it ever going to end? Why is it always me? It feels like it's always me. And remember, you can also get so stuck in your pain that like Jacob, you can come to the wrong conclusion. Remember, Jacob was so caught up in his pain and his potential loss that he concluded that God was against him. Little did he know that just up ahead was the greatest blessing and benefit of his entire life. But right before the blessing was this thought of God is against me. Why? Because of the pain that he was experiencing presently. Hold your places in Romans. Would you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Part of Paul's considering was his own personal experience. You and I, we have our own personal experiences as well. We don't define our Christian lives by our personal experiences. However, they are ours, and we have gone through things. Well, Paul went through things too. So as he begins to look at his life and remember the things that he went through, Well, consider some of the things that he went through. Pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. These are a few things that Paul lived through. The church in Corinth had turned their, many of the church in Corinth had turned their back on their pastor. They had turned their back and began to listen to false teachers taking advantage of them. Began to fall to false teachings and false doctrines. Began to accuse Paul of not caring or not hearing from God anymore. They were accusing Paul of, not loving them and wanting to hurt them and come in heavy-handed. And as he's writing to them, he says, as he's referring to these particular people that had turned the church against him, he said in verse 22, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, verse 27, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold, nakedness, and besides the other things that come upon me daily, my deep concern for all 
the churches. Who is weak? And I'm not weak. Who's made to stumble and I don't burn with indignation? Verse 30, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my weakness. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Artemis, the king was guarding the city of the Damascenes and with a garrison desiring to apprehend me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. This is a small little picture of what Paul endured for the gospel. These are the things that at each line you could say, do you want to quit yet, Paul? Do you want to quit yet? They don't even love you. They don't even care about you. And as you study carefully the life of Paul moving forward, you'll notice that the longer he was in ministry, the more pain that he suffered. The longer that he served in the calling that God had upon him, the more he suffered. The more people abandoned him. The more people betrayed him. The more as he began to God was weaving down and bringing him to a place where his dependence was upon God and God alone. So you come back to Romans chapter 8 and Paul understands, I've considered it, Paul says. I've thought about this. I'm not just writing it. I'm not just trying to give you something you can put on a calendar or put on a, a memory verse. This is something I've seriously considered. I've taken it to heart. And the things that we're going through right now, this present time, don't compare. They're not even worthy to have a comparison with the eternal glory that will be revealed in us. What's up ahead is more valuable than what's happening now. And you see, there just are those times where circumstances and situations get you to a place where you have to evaluate your life. Where you look at your life and go, yeah, I've been through this, and I've been through this, and I've been through this. And you have to weigh and consider and go, you know, there's even times where you go, I don't even think it's worth it. And yet the Holy Spirit says, no, it is worth it. It doesn't even compare. What you're going through right now doesn't even compare to what's up ahead. It doesn't even compare to the weight of the glory of being in the presence of God. Every tear wiped away, every pain removed. New bodies, new lives, and eternity with Jesus Christ who lived for us and died for us. And Paul, in his response to the church, didn't defend himself. He just says, look, I want you guys, just consider something before you listen to those guys. You know me, and you know what I've gone through. But in case you've forgotten, and he begins to list out. And who knows at what point the church is going, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I, re yeah, I, rem I remember. I remember he came here, and he was already wounded and bloody. I remember he had the scars. I remember I could see it in his eyes. I remember the time he took to pray with me. I remember the time he came to my house. Yeah, I remember. And Paul says, look, I'm not saying this lightly. I've taken this to heart. And it's humbling when we consider the price that just our brother Paul paid to be a minister of the gospel. If we were to take the time to write out the things that we have suffered, it wouldn't compare to that list. We haven't been there yet. We're not, we're not in eternity yet, so you don't know what's around the corner, but we aren't there yet. God put Paul in the scripture. God uses Paul's life to encourage us that if it was temporary for him, then it's also temporary for us. We need perspective, church. When it comes to trials and difficulties, we need perspective. We have a tendency to lose perspective and get caught up in our own world and be focused on the, the, the temporary focused moment. And we become isolated in our own pain. In our own, we need perspective. The story is told of 
a pastor, his name was Floresu, and let me share it with you. The communist tortures came towards Pastor Floresu again, this time with red-hot iron pokers. Who else believes as you do? Give us their names. But the pastor would not speak. They had already cut him again and again with knives and beaten him very badly. And when he refused to cooperate, he was returned to his cell. It was in his cell that starving rats were driven in through a large pipe. And he could not sleep all night having to defend himself from these rats at all times. If he rested just for a moment, the rats would attack him. And still he remained silent. In the end of his torture, they brought his 14-year-old son. And they began to whip the boy in front of his father, saying they would beat him until the pastor told them what they wanted to know. And the poor man, his pastor was half crazy, it says. And he bored as long as he could. But when he could stand it no more, he cried out to his son, Alexander, Alexander, I must say what they want. I can't bear your beatings anymore. And his son answered, Father, don't do me the injustice of having a traitor as a dad. Withstand them. If they kill me, I will die with the words, Jesus and my fatherland. And at this, the communists became enraged and killed the young man for his unswerving faith in Jesus Christ. This was one example taken from a devotional called Jesus Freaks. It was printed many years ago, but the, time, the stories are timeless. I'd encourage you to pick up a copy or two. Modern day stories of martyrdom, not just from the Bible, but real life stories to give perspective, to remind us a very cla a classic that's in the public domain. Uh, certainly you can download a PDF copy of it. It's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And it gives the history of the first generations of martyrdoms, of those that rather than denounce Jesus Christ, paid the price for their faith with their lives. And so we read in the lives of the early church the needed perspective we are, that is necessary for us to continue on. As we learned in Acts chapter 14, it's through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Many tribulations. And so it doesn't make sense, does it? For us to live a life to try to avoid trials and to maintain comfort and ease. At whatever level that might be. To avoid persecution. On a small scale perhaps. Where you're just afraid to speak up for Jesus Christ in the workplace. Just a small thing. Or afraid to make the right decision, knowing that it could cost you something. As it should cost you something. In a world that hates Jesus Christ. In a culture that hates Jesus Christ. In a world system that the Bible declares in 1 John is anti-Christ. Remember John told us in the first century, already many antichrists have entered into the world. You know, there's such excitement about the antichrist, capital A. Who is he? When will he come? Before or after the rapture? Everybody's talking about capital A Antichrist. But before capital A Antichrist is revealed, the Bible wants to remind us, church, that many Antichrists exist. There are many systems and people put in place to replace Jesus, to come against Jesus. And there's nothing that the church can do, there's nothing that believers can do that will appease the hostility of Jesus Christ. The only thing that will stop the hostility toward Jesus Christ is when a man or a woman repents of their sins and, and they are born again, changed from the inside out. Otherwise, unbelievers, are a, they are blinded in their sin and they hate God. There's just no other way. Even those that 
would say, well, they're very good moral people, but are they born again? Well, they do very good things. They're very benevolent, and they give of their billions of dollars into various causes. Okay, but are they born again? You know, you can funnel billions of dollars into building colleges and libraries and never, ever save a soul. But you know, the gospel is free, and souls are saved everywhere by the testimony of a man and a woman living life, especially in the fire. That's where people's attention, that's where people, that's where God gets people's attention is when they, when he puts a man or a woman that follows him in the fire. Where people are watching you and they don't even, you don't even know who's watching you. You don't even know who's watching from afar, trying to make life decisions of their own life based on your decisions because you're the believer. You're the one that says you follow God. You're the one that has the big black Bible on your desk. You're the one that's always inviting Christmas and Easter services. Yeah, yeah, they know. They recognize you've committed to following Jesus. So their eyes are very in tune and their ears are very attuned to the believer on fire. And I don't mean excited for the things of the Lord, but I mean in a fire of great trial. You see, the sufferings that come to us, Paul says, these sufferings, this is a heavy word, by the way, if you come back to Romans 8, this word suffering is a heavy word. It speaks of Jesus' sufferings, but also our sufferings. Peter will later say in 1 Peter, when we get there in chapter 5, that we all experience the same sufferings. We all experience, we have unique things, but we also have a shared suffering together as believers. Which reminds me in a time like this, in the world in which we live right now, what I believe this world needs is a church that's sensitive to the hurt and the pain that's in the world today. There's a lot of hurting people, even here today, but what they need is a church that's sensitive to the reconciling, comforting power of God our voices to be used to share the comfort and hope into a person's life. That's what the world needs, the light of the gospel. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, offering much-needed perspective for times of suffering. You can catch a replay at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. Well, Pastor Ed, as you close things out today, you made a noteworthy point, and that is what people need is a church that's sensitive to the pain and hurt that's in the world today. Would you elaborate on that? You know, Larry, I think in the days in which we live, it's it's not just now, uh, but it is the days in which we are living. The church needs a real sensitivity to the pain and the hurt that's going on in the world around them. That That's where the gospel is going to meet people where the good news of the forgiveness of sin and the good news of comfort and peace and ease is going to meet them in the midst of, of the hurt and difficulties that are in the world today. And so what we need is a church that's sensitive, that's open, like has the eyes of Jesus. When Jesus looks out on a city, he doesn't emphasize all the crime. He doesn't emphasize all the difficulty. He doesn't emphasize how everything is, is not as it should be. What he sees, remember, is... He looks over Jerusalem and he weeps over them. He, he looks out at the fields and he sees them as ripe as harvest. We, I think what I was trying to say and what I'm trying to say now is that we have the eyes of Jesus and we see people individually and the opportunity and the potential of God to change a life. So I pray that you're a part of a church that's sensitive I know I want Calvary Church here in Aurora to be sensitive, so pray with us, pray for us, as we pray for you to be used in these last days. 
That's very good. Thanks again, Ed. Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember, this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, this would be a wonderful time to hear from you. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store, calvaryco.store. And if you just like to make a donation to the ministry, you can do that online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Hey, thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. We'll get back into First Peter tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.